Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Deeper Commitment, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on July 21st, 2019. Well, I'm sad to be here. It's okay because God's word about 14. If you'd mark your place in there, I want to share a little story with you this morning. Sure, get into God's word about this CEO, this gentleman right out of the of overseeing all of the manufacturing that he was doing within his company. Well, one day, as this uh, dad looked out upon the the floor plant, um, he saw his son kind of being uh, a little bit mean to the employees, mistreating them, uh, talking to them in a, in a way that really just wasn't conducive of of what he had established as some of the values that he had created for his business. And and as he watched his son, he realized that this was some kind of this was kind of a of an ongoing dynamic in in his son's life. And so he went ahead and made the decision. He called his son up to his office office and and he sat him down he says I need to talk to you for a moment son and he and he uh, just kind of sat him there and and he put his dad his uh, his boss hat on for a moment he said son I just need to have a a serious conversation with you right now and uh, because of your behaviors because of the way um, you are treating my employees he says I want you to know you're fired well, of course, the son was kind of a little shaken by that and uh, just a little discouraged and, and just kind of looked at his dad like he didn't understand. And, and so his dad, from there, just immediately just kind of took off the, da- the, the boss hat and decided to put on the dad hat. And he looked at his son in the eye and, and he just said, so, son, he says, I hear you need a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the son here in this story, and this is a true story, the son here what happened is that his son wasn't a committed employee. He wasn't committed to lifting up the values, to lifting up the dynamic of the structure of what this CEO had created for his business. There were some values that had been placed in the company, and his son wasn't falling in line. He wasn't committed to those. He kind of wanted to do his own thing, lead in his own way, and be the authority. Well, I think a lot of times what happens for us in the church is the same thing is that we want to be a part of God's kingdom. We want, to, we want to get saved and be saved, but we don't always want to be good disciples. We don't always want to follow along with the values of what God has created for us. See, this mindset is held in the church. We, we understand the dynamic that salvation is free, that we get, but we don't always want to become a disciple. We don't always want to follow the rules. We don't always want to realize and understand that being a disciple, it comes with a cost. See, that's you and I, us giving towards God's kingdom, us moving towards and being discipled. And we all know the, the term for disciple is just, is just equal to a student, you know, that has a teacher and is willing to listen and to learn and to discover everything that God has for us. So as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are here to learn and understand and to follow Jesus Christ, to live up to the values that he's created for us and for this world around us. Well, this morning, we're going to look at some very powerful words that Jesus says in the gospel of Luke. And, and I, I tell you, for, for many of us, these words will, will be convicting and challenging and maybe even cause us to kind of think about our own walk and and our own cost. 
But, but I pray that God's spirit this morning would, would convict us and help us to see what it means to, to be deeper committed, to be committed as a disciple of Jesus Christ, not, not just to take what is free, to take what we like or what we enjoy, but to, to do and under, understand that, that it comes with a cost, that there's, we all have a responsibility in this relationship that God has given us. And so before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we come into your presence this morning and we give you glory. Lord, we, we love you. We, we call you Lord. We call you Savior. We call you our God, Father. But our lives don't always reflect that. Father, and I think it just simply comes from a misunderstanding, uh, just a, a, not a, a clarity of, of knowing the things that you truly have for us. And we know that, that from your word, you speak to us. You help us to, to better see the life that you've created for us, the love and the hope and the faith that you have for every believer, for every person that proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we know that it's just up to us. Our responsibility is to learn and discover and to become disciples and to become those disciples at any cost. And Lord, we understand that in those moments where we struggle, in those moments where we don't understand, and we know that your spirit will guide us. We trust and believe that your spirit will show us the things that you have for us. So this morning, Father, as we open up your word, uh, my prayer is, and I hope that our prayer is this morning, is that you would teach us that you would help us to become uh, more committed to our faith, more committed to you, more committed to one another, and that we would discover the things that you have for us and that we would just hold on to the things that you teach us, Father. And we would allow it not only just to, to come into our minds, Father, but to also to penetrate our hearts, that it would bring about life change. Father, that you wouldn't leave us where we are, that you would move us to a place where you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and we look to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 35, and we'll read those together. Starting in verse 25, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desires to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my dis disciple. And he says this, he says, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? If it is no, of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile, it is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I want to ask you this morning, do you want to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Well, if you do, then we have to do what Jesus says here. You have to be willing to follow at any cost. Look at verses 26 and 27 again. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father 
and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I posted this on Instagram this last week and I had a young lady uh, make the comment, does this apply to my (laughs) in-laws? I just thought that was funny. I said, yes, it does. (laughs) Struggling with in-laws, I guess. I don't know. Well, this statement that Jesus made, I believe it's one that is a stumbling block for a lot of people, especially here in the state of New Mexico, because you'll see that that we have a real predominantly uh, a Catholic upbringing. A lot of people grew up in the Catholic church, and and I'm not knocking the Catholic church when I say this, but as I encounter people and I meet people that have come from that that faith, from that religion, um, I see that there's this struggle, uh, this dynamic of family, uh, brothers, sisters, mothers, uh, grandmothers, you know, this the struggle of if I move from uh, this Catholic religion to a Christian faith, my, my mom, my dad, they'll disown me, they'll dislike me. You know, I can't do that to hurt my family. And I think Jesus is speaking towards us because he understands and he sees that there's this, this dynamic, this human nature that you and I have that, that we begin to love things, we begin to love people. And so we elevate that. We elevate those that, that are around us, our moms, our dads, our grandmothers, the influences, the people that we think are important, our children, our in-laws. But Jesus says this, and he says it very clearly. He says, I want you to have a greater love for me. If you are to be my disciple, then I need you to love me more than you love your wife, more than you love your child, more than you love your brother, your sister, your in-laws, more than you love the things of this world. I need to be higher on that priority list than any of those things. See, Jesus isn't asking us to hate our family. He's just saying, hey, I want to be number one on the pole. I want to be the one that you depend on. I want to be the one that you follow at any cost. You know, early on in my faith, when I made the decision to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, um, I lost some friends. There are some friends that just basically straight up told me and said, hey, look, you know, if you're not going to do what we do, then you know what? Don't come around. We don't want to be around you. You know, early on in my wife's faith, she discovered the cost of walking with Jesus. She came out of a home uh, where Buddhism was the religion. And if you didn't stay within that structure of this, this family unit, within the, the teachings of what the family and tradition taught, then they would actually disown you. And that moment that, that my wife gave her life to Jesus Christ, her mom disowned her. Those are her words exactly. You are no longer my child. But by the grace of God, because my wife stood up and said, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus at any cost. The beauty of what God did in those moments over those few weeks is that her mom came back to her and said, hey, you know what? I love you. And my love for you is more important than any of this. It was a beauty, beautiful act of a moment where God said, hey, trust me, seek first the kingdom of God and all of my righteousness, and then I'll take care of everything else. See, God promises us that, but he also tells us that it comes with a cost. We have to be willing to follow Jesus at any cost. I want you to see what it says here in John chapter 12, verse 26. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Did you catch that? If you serve me, you must follow me. You must do as I do. 
You must live your life in reflection of the things that I've set before you. And he says, and where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. See, even though it may cost us much, even though there's things that we might end up having to sacrifice, we can rest in the fact that there's much more to gain. See, Jesus promises us life and life more abundant. And we have to be willing as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, to follow at any cost. And sometimes that cost comes in our relationships. Sometimes that cost comes through our jobs. You know, I don't know what your cost is. I don't know what it will be. But we have to understand that it will come with a cost. Well, the second thing we see here is that you and I, if we are to be disciples, if we are to be more committed, deeper committed, we are to serve at any cost. Look at verses 28 and 29. He says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it, Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. See, to serve means you must be willing to give. You have to count the cost here. See, Jesus is using this picture of building something. And you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ, our responsibility is to build what? God's kingdom. See, it's the Great Commission, right? Jesus tells us to go out to all the world because he's given us authority and we're to preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them all of his commands. See, our responsibility is to build and we have to count the cost. See, we have to be willing to give. To serve means that you're seeking to build up others. See, when we serve, we don't do it for our own glory. We don't do it so you can say, hey, thank you, Floyd. You did a great job. You're awesome. (laughs) You're wonderful. Thank you. I feel better. No, we do it so that others might say, hey, you know what? This God that you serve is an amazing God, and I want some of that. I want what you have. I want to be a part of that. See, we are to serve at any cost, and that means that we must be willing to give. I want to ask you this morning. Are you willing to help others at any cost? When it comes to being a servant, do you understand what the cost is? See, I think one of the biggest things that it'll cost us in our lives, personally, I think it's pride. I think we'll have to let go of our pride. And I know you think, well, pride doesn't cost, but it does. Because we have to surrender ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. And we have to move away from that selfish, narcissistic kind of mindset that it's all about me. And it's all for me. And that's pride. So we have to move away from that. I tell you, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't want to serve other people. Sometimes we don't want to do for other people. Sometimes we don't want to humble ourselves. But God asks us to do that. Listen to what he says here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. See that? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I want to ask you this morning, what gift do you have? What do you have to give this morning. 
And are you willing to give it? Are you willing to use it? See, it's your time, your talents, your treasures. Those are all the things that God wants you to use to glorify. And when you become a disciple of Christ, God teaches us how to use those things for his glory, to honor him, to serve others. And we're to do it at any cost, even if it means we have to surrender it all. How many of you guys are super busy? You're super busy, right? We all are, right? I was talking to my wife this last week, and we talked about how, you know, we, we have all of these things that we want to do. You know, we want to take weekend trips. We want to go hang out in the mountains. We want to go here or there and the other. And it just seems like because everything that we have, we have so little time. Even though we have a lot of time, we have so little time. I, I can honestly say that, that most of us can say probably we're pretty busy, right? The question is, how are we stewarding the time that we've been given? Because the truth of the matter is that we all have the same amount of time. We all get 24 hours in a day, right? We all get 60 minutes in an hour. The question that God has for us this morning is, how are we stewarding that time? Are we sacrificing the moments when we want to do things that just kind of help us or benefit us? Or are we using those moments to help others? Now, I'm not going to answer that question for you. I think you have to answer that question because God has given you time. The other thing he's given us is a talent. Everyone in this room has a gift. Everyone has an ability. Everyone is equipped to do something great. And, and your definition of great might be lean on the subjective side because you may not see yourself as great. But God sees you as great. Because God has given you this ability, he's given you this gift, this talent. And he knows that that talent can be used to glorify him, to help somebody else. And to God, that is great. Because he sees you the way he created it, fearfully and wonderfully made. And he sees that your talents are great and he wants you to use them for his glory. The other thing is our treasures. You know, in America here, even a gentleman said it this morning to me. He says, we live in the top 1%. As poor as we think we are, we live in the top 1%. We have treasures. We have gifts. We have things that God has given us. And God wants us to, to use them for his glory. And we have to remind each other that, that the things that we have weren't given for us personally. They're given to us so that we could help others. You know, one pastor said at one time, years back, he gave us a little class on stewardship. And, and I've used this before, but I think it's the greatest picture that I've seen in regards to how God wants us to steward everything that we have, our time, our talents, our treasures, is that we should bow before God and we should have this posture. And you think to yourself, well, wait, wait, that's just a give me posture. No, it's not. Because see, what happens in, in the Christian world is we bow before God and we say, hey, God, give me. I need help me. And the moment that God gives us, our posture goes like this. And we hold it in. But we should always have this posture because we know that God gives and he also takes away. See, God will put things in our hand, not so that we can have, but so that we can help. I hope you believe that this morning. I hope you trust in that. Listen to what it says here in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what it means to be a disciple? See, even Floyd came 
He was born to serve. To help others so that others may have. You know, we all have time. We all have talents. We all have treasures. The question is, are we using them? And if we're going to be disciples, we have to understand the cost. We have to understand that we have to give as part of it. We have to be a part of what God's doing. We have to know that we can and should use what we have to help others. It's stewardship. It's biblical. It's what God and Jesus have shown us and taught us and pointed us to all of our lives. Well, the next thing that we see that we must do is we need to fight at any cost. As a disciple, as someone that wants to be more committed, we have to be willing to fight at any cost. Look what he says here in verses 31 and 32. He says, Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and he asks for terms of peace. I wonder this morning how many of us are, are ready for battle. You guys ready to fight? <laughs> Some of us may have woke up, woken up this morning with our, with our spouses and we were ready to fight, you know, <laughs> getting to church. Sometimes it's a battle, right? Just going to be honest here. Sometimes it's a battle, you know. But are you really ready for the battle? Listen to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you know, if this guy has 10,000 troops, he's, he's, he's ready for war or he thinks he's ready for war, but doesn't really weigh the cost because his opposition has 20,000 troops. Is he really using wisdom? Is he really understanding what the cost will be? The lives that will be lost? See, you and I will have many battles before the war can be won. And we have to count the cost. And not only count the cost, but I believe the Bible teaches us that we have to prepare for the battle. Well, what battle are we preparing for? Well, we know that we don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. The Bible teaches us that, that it's not me fighting against you or you fighting against me. We understand that the battle is spiritual. That we, we have Satan, the devil, that, that seeks to kill us, destroy us, and conquer us. And we have to be prepared to fight against the schemes of Satan. We have to be willing to go into battle and we have to take up our cross and be prepared. We must be prepared spiritually so that we can overcome the schemes of the devil. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 and 11, he says, finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I'd circle that, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He says, be ready to fight, but don't fight in your own strength. Fight in God's might, fight in his strength, use the word of God. Use God's word as a defense. You know, a couple weeks ago, we, we touched and we looked at Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus used God's word as a defense against Satan. And, he's, and Satan tempts him with all of these things. He offers him the world. And Jesus says, be gone, Satan. See, Jesus was prepared. He was ready. And we know that this came at a time when Jesus had prepared and prayed and spent time in the presence of God, knowing that he was going to have to fight. And it wasn't a physical battle, but it was a spiritual battle. 
It was a decision that he had to make to be prepared and ready to fight at any cost. But unfortunately, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, we don't always prepare for the battle. We go into the world unprepared and not not understanding the cost. I want to encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters, suit up, be prepared, get into the presence of God, spend time on your knees, spend time with God, be prepared for the battle because the battles are going to come. But we know, we know the war has been won. We know we have the victory and we know that there's going to be many trials and many struggles in this life. But Jesus conquered for every one of us. See, we need to fight for our families. We need to fight for our city. We need to fight for the biblical values that God has entrusted us with. We need to fight at any cost. Are you willing to do that this morning? See, that's what it looks like to be a disciple. You have to be willing to fight at any cost. Well, lastly, Jesus tells us who he created us to be. In verses 34 and 35, this picture that he gives us, it's it's love at any cost. He says, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You might be saying to yourself right now, I don't see the word love in this passage. Well, I'm here to tell you it's there. See, because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I have been given a responsibility to love, to show the love of God, to share the love of God with our neighbors and the world around us. See, we are the salt. We are what adds flavor to this world. See, the only way that we can do this is by loving God first. See, he has to be our number one. He has to be the priority. And that's what Jesus is saying here when he says that you have to love me more than you love your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your children, your job, your things. I have to be priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and I'll take care of everything else. See, this is how we learn to have a a deeper commitment in our relationship with God. And if we do this, we'll love those around us better. Now, I'll tell you, because of my wife's love for Jesus, she loves me better. And I I think I can say it pretty confidently, because of my love for Jesus, I love her better. But I I will tell you, in the moments that I'm not walking in step with God's spirit, in the moments that I'm not really in tune with what God has for me in my life, being a disciple of Christ, there's moments that I don't love my, my wife very well. She'll tell you the same thing too, just so you know. <laughs> See, because our pride gets in the way. We, we lower God as our priority and we move other things into priority position and then it becomes selfishness. It becomes, hey, it's about me. Our commitment kind of moves to the side and we decide to go ahead and kind of do the things that we want to do. See, we are to love at any cost and sometimes that means sacrificing the things that we want so that we can be the salt in this world, so that we can help this world know who Jesus Christ is. I love what one pastor says. I just thought it was perfect. He says, he says, we have to take the salt out of the salt shaker. (laughs) Did you catch that? I don't know. I thought that was good. I liked it. I hope you do too. (laughs) Anyways, 
See, you're the salt in the salt shaker. That means you got to get out to be the flavor of the world, right? You to salt it? I don't know. You'll, you'll catch it later. When you wake up after lunch, you know, who knows? See, simply what he means here is we can't be afraid to show the world the truth of who God is. See, that's all we're doing is being disciples is, is we're showing the world who God is. We're bringing glory to God. See, God has shaped us to be this. He's created us to be this. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. And I encourage you to read all of chapter 4. There's some beautiful things in there about one God, one spirit. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, that's what the salt looks like right there. See, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's what your life should reflect. But I understand life is hard and I know people get in the way and things get in the way. You know, those guys that cut us off and on the highway. But I want to encourage you this morning as we close. And just simply this, just simply this, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe it just takes a commitment, a willingness to say, I will follow not I'm going to follow, or maybe one day I'll do that. But simply saying, I will follow, follow you, Jesus, at any cost, no matter the cost, you will be number one in my life. And if that means I have to change, so be it. If that means I have to follow you at any cost, so be it. If that means I have to serve you at any cost, so be it. If that means that I have to fight at any cost, so be it. And if that means I have to love at any cost, so be it. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, we must be willing to do as Jesus teaches us to do. Again, salvation is free. But becoming a disciple or being a disciple, it comes with a cost. Have you weighed the cost? Are you ready to commit this morning? Well, in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. And communion has, a, has a, a great significance in the life of a believer. And Mike's going to come forward and he's going to lead us in this time. But I want to challenge you as we pray. I'm going to pray for us here. And then Mike's going to come and, and lead us in communion. But I, I want you to just ask yourself, are you ready to make that step? Are you ready to commit wholeheartedly with all that you are? Because Jesus doesn't want just a part of you. He wants all of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Father, thank you for Jesus. Father, we're here because of him. We're here because of you. We're here because you've given us this great privilege here to just gather together corporately, to worship you, to sing some songs that would lift you up, to, to help exalt you, Father, to open up your word so that we'd have a, a clarity and understanding that we would gain insight to the things that you have for us, Father. And that we would have an opportunity to come together to give. To give of our time, to give of our talents, to give of our treasures. And Father, we do it all for your glory. Not so that we can be in the spotlight, Father, but so that your name would be lifted up. So that we might know you and make you known, Father. 
Lord, we thank you for these words that Jesus shared with the many. We thank you for these words that Jesus shared with us this morning. It's a great reminder to us that that we have to be committed followers, committed disciples, willing to learn and discover all the things that you have for us. And we know these things come in your word and through your word and in those moments and those times that we get into your presence. Father, and as you speak to us, Father, that we would just be obedient to those things that you ask of us. That we, we, we would be willing to give with open hands. And Father, even in the moments when you ask us or you want to take from the things that you've given us, that we would leave our hands open, trusting and believing, knowing that you are faithful in all things. Lord, we truly do love you and we thank you for your love for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.